Good morning, everyone. Good morning to our church family and good morning to any visitors who are among us. I'm aware that there may be visitors joining us who are not that familiar with the Bible, which we use when we're delivering talks like this. So I'm going to try and be mindful of that um, as I speak today. I've been reading a book in the Bible called the Book of Acts, and I've been struck by a verse there where it's talking about Jesus, and it talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing and so on. Now, I note this phrase about Jesus that he went about doing good. Doing good. Interestingly, in the previous chapter to that, we're also introduced to a Christian woman called Tabitha or Dorcas, whose life is summed up like this. She was always doing good and helping the poor. You see, I, I, I find sometimes that we don't always value this whole idea of doing good. We can be dismissive about do-gooders and goody-two-shoes and so on. We can deride the idea of the feel-good factor. In Christian circles, people are, for many years have drawn divisions between the idea of being saved by faith and being saved by good works. It's a good old Protestant thing. Some Christians worry about us being drawn into what's sometimes called the social gospel, where we're just doing good works as opposed to preaching the gospel and getting people saved. But you know what? It, it, that is what somebody has once called a dumb dichotomy. It's a false choice, a false alternative. It's putting things in opposition which shouldn't be in opposition. So this morning, I want to ask us to rethink this whole idea of doing good. I want to suggest that we celebrate goodness. We celebrate doing good. One of the early Christian leaders, one of the first Christian leaders, Paul, in a letter to a church in a place called Galatia, told us that God himself was the first one to preach the gospel, the good news, when centuries and centuries before he had told Abraham that through him and all his descendants, which includes any of us who have faith like Abraham, all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through them and us. Now I suggest that blessing means to do people good. When you bless someone, you're doing them good. So let's revalue this whole idea of doing good. And I think that this point is so important that I want to take time over the next two weeks to look at it. First today by looking at the big picture of where goodness fits into God's whole purpose. And then next week looking at what that might look like practically among us. So let's start today with looking at the big picture. There's a familiar verse, well familiar to many of us, um, but it is to all of us a strange, almost enchanting, soul-stirring verse in the Bible, which um, are the words of um, the Old Testament prophets. It's about the ultimate purpose and plan of God for our world, and it goes like this. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Soul-stirring stuff but strange as well. I mean, waters cover the sea. The sea is water, isn't it? See, it's using this disorienting 
kind of picture and phrase to make the point of just how completely and utterly this glory or the knowledge of it is going to fill every part of our world, every nook and cranny. But what do we mean by knowing God's glory? What is glory? I suggest it is to see God's likeness shining forth in all its, well, glory. It's seeing what God is like in all his brilliance. And God is good. There's a great little story about Moses, who was daring enough to ask God to show him his glory. And God agrees. And he says in response to Moses, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. Did you, did you get that? Moses asked God to show him his glory. And God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. You see, God's glory is his goodness. And, and when God agreed with Moses, he told him, he said, look, I'm going to have to hide you behind this rock and you can only see me from behind because if you see me in all my glory, it'll kill you. Can you imagine meeting someone who is so good, it overwhelms you so much that you drop dead? But the purpose of God is to fill the world with his goodness so that people can see what he's truly like and then fall down, not dead, but in worship. It's another great story from the Old Testament. In ancient Israel, we're told the priests and the singers and the musicians are worshipping in the temple that has been built for God's presence to dwell among them. And they're singing and they're playing their instruments. And These are the lyrics of what they're singing. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. And as they were singing this, God's glory came into the temple like a cloud so that they could no longer sing or play their instruments and they just fell face down in worship. They sang of his goodness and then God showed up to demonstrate what they were singing about. And they were overwhelmed and they fell down and worshiped. Now here's the thing, God is no longer going to bring his glory through a cloud. He's bringing it through human beings. You see, Jesus became a human being and came to set us the example. The Bible tells us that he was and he is the radiance of the Father's glory. You look at Jesus and you see what God is like. You see how good he is. You see his glory. And now it is through his church, the body of Christ, through a community of real people like you and like me, that God wants to show his glory through human beings who have been made alive by the love of God, loved into life. Because as one early church thinker expressed it, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The Bible tells us that God's glory, remember the radiance of his goodness, is to be seen in the church just as it was in Jesus Christ when he walked the earth. Wow. Now, the Bible uses different images to show this wonderful truth. And one that has come to mean a lot to us, really, is the idea of trees bearing fruit because they've been supplied by the river of life. The river, of course, is the spirit of Jesus that gets into us 
And then we as a community of God's people become like this tree which which reaches out and spreads out to bring its fruit to people beyond itself, to be a source of blessing and, and goodness and fruitfulness to all people. You see, folks, the church is meant to be fruitful. Our friend Richard Annis reminded us of this just a few weeks ago. Jesus puts it like this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As we bear fruit, showing in our lives that we are followers of Jesus, we draw attention to how good our Father God is. We put his glory on display. So what is this fruit? Well, I'm going to suggest that it's three things. First of all, it's the fruit of our changed lives. And this is described in that letter from Paul to the church in Galatia, which I mentioned earlier. Now, remember that this fruit is produced because the river of life, the Spirit, is within us. And Paul writes this, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, that's all good, isn't it? I mean, what if our lives were filled, genuinely filled with such qualities, such fruit? And so there is the fruit of good lives. And then in another letter to another church, Paul says he's teaching them some important truths so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, those good lives, and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, whether this was serving the poor like Tabitha or healing the sick like Jesus, practicing hospitality, including the marginalized, pursuing justice, whatever it might be, this is the fruit of good works. And then just before that verse in Colossians, in the same letter, Paul had written this. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. The gospel simply means good news. It's the good news about Jesus and his kingdom, about his death and his resurrection. It's the good news that he is making all things new. And that gospel was bearing fruit in that people were believing it and having their lives and destinies changed by it. And so we have the fruit of good news. So we have the fruit of good lives, good works and good news. Now, these three aspects of fruitfulness show the world God's glory, God's goodness. And they come together in a verse from another Christian leader, Peter, who wrote these words to a number of churches. He said this, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. By the way, pagans here is not meant in a derogatory way. It's simply meant in that context, people who were not Jewish. So to us, it just means people. Live good lives among people out there in our, our everyday worlds. Live good lives so that they may see your good deeds or good works. And then they glorify God, that is, acknowledge God's glory. And they do that because someone has told them the good news and they've put their trust in him. They've turned from those who are against the Christians to those who glorify God with them, acknowledge his glory, his goodness. Someone has explained it to them and, and said to them, like, 
Like the psalmist said, the psalmist are those poets and songwriters of the Old Testament. Come, glorify the Lord with us and let us exalt his name together. Or to put it in the words of a, another psalmist, taste and see that the Lord is good. They have responded to the good news. You know, maybe there are some people who are watching today who need to hear that. Come and see with us that God is good. Hear this good news. Next week, I'd like to look at these three different types of fruit, good lives, good works, and good news in more detail and, and, and to see why we need each of them. You can't have one without the other. But today, I just wanted for us to see that blessing and being a blessing, doing good and filling the earth with God's goodness is central to his great ultimate purpose and plan for our world. Let me just finish with a great verse, favours of mine, which comes at the end of that well-known 23rd Psalm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That could be translated goodness and kindness will follow us all the days of our life. Now, I've often said that the primary meaning of that verse is that wherever we're at in life, whatever's happening to us, however we're feeling, God is pursuing us with his goodness. He's chasing us down to bless us. But there is an important secondary meaning. And that is, as we walk through this world, we are meant to leave a trail of goodness behind us wherever we go so that goodness and kindness follows us. You know, sometimes when someone in our house would leave the doors open at the wrong time and it's rainy and wet outside, the dog or the cat or both would come in and leave muddy paw prints all over the carpet. Or when the kids were small and lived at home, they'd come back from school or, or being out somewhere and you'd be able to see the path uh, that they'd taken through the houses. There'd be a trail of shoes and coats and bags and stuff. They could be messy like any kids. But you know what? I think we're meant to leave a mess of goodness and kindness in our trail. Marks of kindness and mercy wherever we've been. And I know that there are many of you like that right now. Charlie Novak, you are leaving a right old mess of goodness right now, wherever you go. And Stephen Jenny Jones, what are all those marks on the carpet of your world? They look like kindness stains to me. And of course, Ian and Janet, Charlotte, you messy pair. All that goodness spilt all over the place, wherever you've been. And I know I could call out a number of you in our church family who are just as messy with your goodness and kindness. Well, good for you. That's how it's meant to be. Goodness and kindness follow us all the days of our lives. And folks, that's how people get to see God's glory. They see his goodness. And we get to invite them to join us and to say with us, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you are so so good. You're so good to us. Amen. Amen.